Hey there. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. I'm Burke Allen, recording live from our studios in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Our guest on the show today, award-winning author Miles Watson. We talk about his book, Sinner's Cross, and the, the craft of writing, a page-turner. All right, speakermatch.com. We love you. We thank you for sponsoring our Big Time Talker podcast. If you are a meeting planner and you need a great speaker, there's a terrific database available absolutely free at speakermatch.com. And if you're a platform speaker, if that's what you do, uh, then check out Speaker Match and their suite of services as well. Thanks again, Speaker Match, for sponsoring the show. And thank you for listening. We uh, upload new episodes every Tuesday, and they're available wherever you get your podcast at Spotify, Apple, iTunes, uh, iHeart, Podbean. So make us a part of your listening week, if you would. All right, Miles Watson is our guest today. He writes books and page-turner kind of books. These are the kinds of books that you want to cozy up with on a snowy winter day and dive into it, including the Sinner's Cross books. And there is uh, one called The Very Dead of Winter, as we talk to Miles Watson in The Very Dead of Winter. And is the snow blowing around you in the greater Philadelphia area right now? No, but it is raining and about as depressing as it could possibly be. So I'm glad to, to be here talking about something other than that. It is gray and wintertime in the Northeast. I get it. Hey, you um, you win a lot of awards for these books and you're prolific. You crank them out. Um, what makes a great thriller, a great page turner of a book? Well, one of the techniques that I learned uh, when I was first coming up was you have to put drama on every page. You have to use what some people refer to as microtension, meaning that you can never just have a page where things are happening, but there's no drama. And drama is conflict. So there has to be some conflict every single page of your book, even if it's just a minor internal conflict. It, it doesn't have to be an exterior conflict, but something has to be going on on every page. And I think you really need to make sure that you don't write for writing's sake and start blathering because blathering is fine if you're writing a literary book that's a thousand pages long and you want to go into detail about everything and anything. But when you're writing for popular fiction, you need to keep things moving, which means you can't have any fat. There shouldn't be any extraneous words. So everything needs to have a definite purpose. You have a, a background as well in, in the movies and television industry. And I wonder if if there are parallels or lessons that you learn from being around that whole world and, and how screenwriters do things and how directors keep the action moving forward. That's a that's an excellent question. And the funny thing is, is that I very naively and arrogantly assumed that because I had experience. I was a published author as a short story writer when I was very young. When I was 17, I published my first short story in a, you know, a traditional publishing format. And wow. so when I moved to LA in my mid thirties, I thought the screenwriting thing's a joke. I mean, compared to writing a novel, how hard can this be? I learned very humiliating and painful lesson that it's a very different medium because you're telling a word picture. Uh, you're telling a story, excuse me, um, in pictures that happens to have words and sound. So it's a completely different medium than a novel, which is taking place entirely in the reader's head. And I, it was a very humbling experience to realize that you can't just do one because you can do the other. Um, the, the, the benefit of, of trying my hand at that a little bit was that you start seeing things cinematically, which 
has a couple of advantages. The first being, if anyone ever were to option your work, hint, hint, right. for a film or a TV show, you're already thinking in those terms somewhat, but it never hurts to try to put very vivid images in the reader's head. Never. That's, that's always going to be a plus, never a minus. So if you're thinking cinematically when you're writing a book, even if you're writing like a romance novel, if you're thinking cinematically, you're going to put much stronger images in the head of the reader. And I think that's really crucial. I'm a, I always harp on things like imagery and atmosphere because I believe in putting the reader right in the middle of whatever is going on. Our guest is Miles Watson. We're talking about his book, Sinners Cross, and and the the techniques that he uses to to get readers engaged and and turning the page. Um, I, I guess you're right. Screenwriting would be a completely different discipline. Um, you have you've won, I guess, a dozen awards or more for these books, um, and you have this this really interesting background of not only working in feature films and television. But you also have this background in criminal justice and as a, an investigator for the DA's office uh, in a couple of different major cities. So you lead a pretty exciting life uh, for, for us lay folk, um, you know, outside the writing world. How much of that informs the way that you write these books to make them uh, thrilling and interesting? I think it's kind of a twofold um, situation where, Anyone who's worked as a social worker in criminal justice, police officer, FBI agent, EMT, you know, emergency room nurse, anything of that nature, anything in that big, that's a very big ballpark, very big tent. But you you're, you become a student of human moves, as Paul Newman, uh, Fast Eddie Felsen said in one of the Hustler films, I think it was Color of Money. He yeah. says, I'm a student of human moves. And you become a student of human moves. You become, by being constantly exposed to people, like I, I, I've been an advocate for victims of crime. I've been a parole officer. I've been an investigator for the district attorney. And you meet so many fascinating people, good and bad, and in between. And it's impossible for the for the full nature of the human experience that you get through that not to leak into your work. Uh, because you're exposed to so much more of humanity. Bad, yeah, but also good. And so I think ultimately all storytelling is just about people no matter what your medium is. I don't care what what genre or what film you're making, what television type of show you're writing, what type of novel or short story or whatever you're doing, web series, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, it's about people. And if you don't understand people, you can't <laughs> you can't deliver the goods. And I think I think the other aspect of it is uh that you you learn to extrapolate your own personal experiences and put them on a bigger stage. Um, like I'm, I'm a martial arts guy. I've done martial arts like every other kid who was born in the seventies and raised in the eighties. I saw the karate kid, you know, pre Cobra sure. Kai. Yep. Uh, and so I studied martial arts and, and, um, I've done, you know, some spar, you know, a lot of sparring over the years. And I, I did some amateur fights out in California that were sanctioned by the California state athletic committee commission, excuse me. And, uh, they never went any further than that. Cause you know, there was lacking a very minor thing called talent, but the, this, one thing you can do if you've if you've been in a situation is you can extrapolate it with your character. So when I write a character who's, say, a fighter, a boxer or something of that nature, I can dig into my own experience. And then obviously you have to blow it up because no ordinary life is as interesting as your character lives are going to be, uh, generally speaking. My life certainly isn't as interesting, but you learn to extrapolate by by having all these experiences that you gather in these various mediums and these fields. 
you can take them and you can put them in your fiction in in obviously a blown up and exaggerated way, but it has authenticity. And that's key. I think you've always got to strive for authenticity in everything you do. And that doesn't mean you had to do it yourself, but you you tap into a feeling or an experience that you had, that you encountered. And I think working in law enforcement and working in Hollywood, you you definitely get to know people. And so you you gather all these experiences and, and there is an outlet for that in your fiction. Miles Watson is an award-winning author and uh, also one of the rare guys uh, or ladies that, that actually holds uh, a master's degree in writing popular fiction. Is that right? You have a master's in making up stuff. I do. <laughs> you, I like the way you put that. I think uh, that was the politest possible way you could have said it. Um, <laughs> what do you learn when you take classes in writing popular fiction? So I studied writing popular fiction uh, when I was in my, I want to I say it was in my mid-30s, mid-late 30s. Um, I was already writing, but like a lot of writers, and I had some published short stories and things of that nature, and I was already working in Hollywood, but I had trouble finishing things. I was the classic writer, and, and I'm sure you've heard this before. There are millions of people out there who are enormously creative, but they can't finish their projects. They have in sure. Hollywood, there's a million unfinished scripts, right? Sitting in a drawer. It's the greatest movie ever written. It's just not done. Yep. There's a lot of people who write novels like that, too. They're halfway through the great American novel, but they never finish. I was like that my whole life, and I got really disgusted with my inability to complete things. And so one of the reasons that I that I wanted to go to graduate school, school to study the medium was because I needed to be put in a pressure situation where a deadline existed. And the program that I went to, Seton Hill University Writing Popular Fiction Program, they give you two years and you have to, your thesis is a finished novel that's ready to be submitted to a publisher or an agent. So you've got the two years, go. You're on deadline. You you have all sorts of feedback and critique that's happening and drafting process and everything. But you, in order to graduate, you have to have a finished, completed, polished novel with your, everything has to be ready for submission. It has to be at that level. So by, by en enrolling in that program, I not only learned about the nuts and bolts of the business, which I knew nothing about, like marketing and things of that nature. I knew nothing about that going in. Absolutely nothing. Less than nothing. So that was an education. But what I really learned was how to finish things. And if you've looked at my uh, biography, so to speak, or my books, um, you, you, you mentioned that I was prolific. I am now pretty prolific. And the the trick was... I can finish things. If you want to call that a trick, I can actually finish what I start now most of the time. I can't pat myself on the back too hard here, but I I finish what I start now. I, I freed myself from the curse that so many talented writers have out there. They can't finish anything. And graduate school, what graduate school ultimately did for me, other than introducing me to, to several people, including Scott Johnson, who was a uh, reader's favorite uh, award winner at the uh, the uh, reader's favorite ceremony in Miami that um, that we met at. Yes. Scott was down there. Scott was a teacher of mine in uh, in my graduate program. Um, so it does work. Uh, it's hard. It's a lot of hard work, but it does work if you pay attention and you really, you know, you're really listening and you, and you're not too arrogant and you you humble yourself before people who know what they're talking about. You you learn to slay some of those demons that amateur writers have, talented amateur writers have, which is you know discipline yourself and finish the expletive thing. I, I just edited myself there. Well played, sir. 
the uh, the book Sinner's Cross, and you've got a, a second one, this The Very Dead Winter is a, another Sinner's Cross novel. These are World War II historical fiction books. And a generation ago, that stuff was everywhere. It was in comic books. It was on TV. It was in the movies. It is less so now. So I wonder what it is that drew you to writing these World War II historical fiction books. I've always been a history nerd. I grew up in it. My, my father was a reporter, and he our house was full of books. My mother was an English teacher at Northwestern University. My father was a reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, and he was the White House correspondent for his newspaper. That's why we moved to Washington, D.C. when I was five, and he covered the White House. So he had books upon books upon books of politics, but politics and history, as you, as everybody knows, are intertwined. Of course. So I didn't understand politics as a kid at all. I don't understand them now, now that we're talking about it, but History, I was fascinated by, and my house was basically a library. So I was reading history books all the time, and I had a number of relatives who fought in World War II, and sometimes they would talk about it or I would ask them questions. And I got more and more curious, and over the years, I just read and read and read, and I I gathered more and more information. And the time finally came when I sort of accidentally started this book. I didn't intend to write the first Sinner's Cross novel. I was just writing to write. And then it shaped into a story with these very, I thought, very compelling characters. And it it led me, it kind of led me by the nose, like a bullring through my nose it, it, into this subject. And, and you're right. It, it did used to be more popular than it is now. Um, but I... I don't want to sound melodramatic, but I kind of felt compelled to do it. I I kept writing and a novel took shape. And then I realized I was going to have to finish it and bring it into shape. And so the novel, I, it, books don't write themselves, <laughs> but this one insisted that it be written, if that makes sense. So does that mean that that in this case, and, and I've talked to other authors who have given me uh, variations of this story that that you sort of sit down and there are times when you really have to work hard at it, but there are other times when you're sort of like the vessel and it's coming from somewhere else and flying through your hands to the keyboard. Was the Sinner's Cross book like that for you? I wish, I wish this was one of those. I have had those. Um, I have had books like that. I have had stories like that where the only real inhibition was your ability to get it out fast enough. It was just pouring out of you. Mm-hmm. This was this was a warlike struggle. The 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 book is written in three acts, and each act was extremely punishing, exhausting to write. There were a lot of twists and turns that had to be backtracked because the stories overlap, and everything affects everything else. It's told in three different acts, so everything that happens affects the other stories. And so I was backtracking for continuity. But it's a very violent story. It's a story of a battle and what happens to these men in the battle psychologically and spiritually more than anything. And it was punishing to write it because one of the things that I try to do that I'm known for, quite frankly, in my fiction is putting people in the moment, whether it's a fist fight or people shooting at each other in the woods or whatever the circumstances, I try to use a ton of atmosphere to bring people into the book, into the moment. And I was punishing these characters physically, psychologically, bad weather, you know, it's freezing cold, it's snowing, it's muddy, they're cold, they're hungry, they're getting shot at, they're discouraged, they're lost. I'm putting that into the characters every moment that I'm writing. And so it became a slog for me, in a, like a, a psychological slog 
in the sense that I was I was suffering alongside these poor guys as I was writing this book. I was kind of suffering with them. So this was definitely not a book that flowed out of me. I had to I had to fight for it. Miles Watson is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. He's written a bunch of books, including these uh, two centers cross books about World War II. They're historical fiction, uh, you know, real tough guy, page turner stuff. Now, early in your career, you did some of these uh, books about mixed martial arts and cage fighting and all that, which you have a personal connection to because you have done that uh, in your life. You were not a soldier during World War II. So what kind of research, if any, did you do to to get the details right on those? I did a huge amount of research, but I, I started off from an advantage that as a history nerd, I already had a massive library physically and in my head. So I chose the setting of Sinner's Cross, the first book in the series, as the Battle of the Huercan Forest, which was a massive campaign in World War II that nobody talks about. If you go to Washington, it, well, you're you're in Washington, D.C. I am indeed. There is the World War II monuments that they have downtown, which I would, I would commend everybody to go see because they're excellent. There is an area of the World War II memorial that is dedicated to that battle, but nobody ever talks about it. It was the longest battle ever fought by the United States Army. It lasted nine months, and it didn't go well. And I think that's why we don't talk about it. We like to frame World War II in that context of victory and glory and being on the right side. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this campaign was kind of a massacre and kind of a failure. And I wanted to, I, there, there's very little written about it, but what was written about it, I read. And then what I did, what I try to do for research is it's great to know the big dates and the big names and all that. But if you read Sinners Cross, there's hardly any place names. The time is not really an issue. It's not about technology. I did research all the things, all the, but what I really harp on is the little things. What type of tobacco were they smoking? What's in a sea ration? What did the Germans smoke? You know, what, what did this smell like? What did this particular sound, what psychological reaction did the sound of this gun make in the people who heard it? That's the de- those are the details that I researched really like to the point of listening to this stuff on the, you know, getting the sounds downloaded on the internet. So I know what these things sound like. I, I got books on uniforms, books on equipment, because I wanted, not that there's a lot of that in the book per se, but I use kind of the Hemingway iceberg theory approach that the dignity of an iceberg, you know, lies in the fact that nine tenths of it is below the surface. So right. if you know what you're talking about, it comes out in that 10%. And I wanted those details. So I researched a lot of the little stuff, the boots, what's in the rations, how many cigarettes do you get with a ration, were they any good, you know, that kind of thing, because I needed to know what the soldiers felt. And you can't get that from your standard historical work that's talking about armies and, you know, generals and conferences and maps. I I wanted to put people there. So the research I did was much more focused on the, the small details that sell reality to a reader. You may want to check these out if you're into World War II historical fiction, uh, or if you like a, a page turner, and especially this uh, the very dead of winter, as we have this conversation in the very dead of winter. They're the Sinners Cross novels, and the award-winning author is Miles Watson. Hey, thanks for being on the show today, and best of luck with the books. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully... There's a casting director in Hollywood right now that says, you know, that sounds like a fantastic movie. Let's send this guy a big advance. What do you think? We all all live in, in hope of that. 
<laughs> That's Miles Watson, our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. We appreciate you listening. Thank you, speakermatch.com, for sponsoring the show. In Washington, D.C., I'm Burke Allen. Go out and make it a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.